If you have your word, please open up to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 5, I'll begin reading in verse 33. Matthew 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. Scripture intake is not everything in the Christian life. We have been reminded of this on Wednesday nights, so we've been studying the epistle of James. We are not to be hearers, we are to be hearers and doers of God's word, but as pilgrims in this world, we must not underestimate the great power of reading, studying, meditating, memorizing, and abiding in God's holy word. In 2 Timothy 3, we find these words. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So if we are going to continue in what we believe, we must never stop acquainting ourselves with the sacred Scriptures. That all of Scripture is God-breathed, all of God's Scripture is profitable, and it all trains and equips us as His children to live a life that pleases Him. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from its sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So scripture is living and scripture is active. The word of God does a good work in our hearts and minds. How easy it is for us to point out what other churches may or may not be doing, how they focus on the word of God or they do not focus on the word of God. It's easy to hone in on those things What is more difficult and more challenging and what is needed in our life is asking ourselves, am I abiding in the Word of God? Am I honing in on what God has said? Am I doing God's will or am I doing my own? Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. So faith comes through the Word of God along with the power of God. Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You and I know what richly dwells in us. Is it the things of this world or is it the Word of God? How can we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? How can we thank the Lord without dwelling on who the Lord is and what He has said? Matthew 4, verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We live on every word found in the Holy Scriptures. John 8, 31 and 32, If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So truth is to remain our daily pursuit. You and I pursue things every day. When we wake up, I pursue food. And yet what we find here is that we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that has come from the mouth of the Lord. Psalm 1, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight is on the law of the Lord. He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And all he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. We need to know the Word of God if we're going to live by it. Delighting in and meditating upon the Word. That is to be our way. James 1, verse 22, But be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. We're to be hearers and doers of the Word of God. Today's verses in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 33, they provide us with the fourth statement, you have heard, but I say to you. You have heard, but I say to you. But let's do a quick review of the first three. Look with me at Matthew 5, beginning in verse 21. This is statement one. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You see, God looks at the heart, not at the outward appearance. We are liable for judgment. We are guilty if we are angry with our brother. Bitterness, holding a grudge, Resentment, gossip, passionate language, not forgiving, ignoring, reconciliation. These are all forms of murder in the eyes of God. Statement 2, Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So we do not commit the act of adultery, we do not look at anyone besides your spouse with lustful intent. Do not commit adultery in your heart. As Leonard Ravenhill said, others may, you cannot. Why? Because your name is written in the book of life. That is, God's child, others' people may do this. They may say these things. They may commit these things. You cannot because you're a child of God. Statement 3, Matthew 5, 31. 
It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You see, marriage is a covenant relationship that one man and one woman enter into with God for the glory of God in this life. Not only are we mixed up by what marriage is, but we are mixed up on what the purpose of marriage is. That we are to please the Lord with our marriage till death do us part. That children of truth are to remain in a state of continual training so that they will live by it. I was reminded of this as after the Texas Rangers won the World Series, I went with some friends and we toured the ballpark And in touring the ballpark, we got to see all these different things. And you saw some lockers that were fully empty in the locker room. And you all saw some lockers that were completely full. And the tour guide starts to tell us, do you see all the lockers that are full? Like, yeah, there's not that many. The ones who are, they are here every day doing the basics. In fact, as we are giving these tours now, some of them have been coming in and out, taking showers, doing the workout, doing the basics over and over and over again. Why? Because the basics are something we should never get over in baseball. Basics are something you should never get over as a Christian. Children of the truth are to remain in a state of continual training so that they will live by the word of God. Statement number four, Matthew 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord by what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or the earth, for it is a footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great kings. Do not take an oath by you heard. You cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. What a great blanket statement in letting us know that whatever you say that proceeds from your mouth, whatever you are speaking about, God owns it. In this sermon, Jesus has been teaching his disciples how his children are to live and how they will live before him because of God's grace. You have heard, but I say to you, each day requires us to have a renewed mind so that we are not following the sinful patterns of this world. Each and every day, our minds need to hear what Christ has done and what he has said. The picture here is a bunch of sheep. And if you've been around sheep, there's something you need to know about sheep. Sheep are not very smart. In fact, you could say sheep are stupid. So it's not just every moment the sheep need to be looking to the shepherd. It's every day the sheep need to look to their shepherd and they need to listen to the shepherd. That shepherd is there to remind the sheep of what they are and what they are to be doing. Like our minds need to be reminded of the gospel. The gospel is not just something that saved us. The gospel is something that also sanctifies us. That Jesus came from heaven to earth, born of a virgin. Why did he come? For sinners, to save sinners from their sin. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus proved to be God by how he lived. 
He said three times, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise. Jesus freely laid down his life on the cross. He fully took on the cup which bore the wrath of God. He drank it completely, paying for the sins of those who would repent and trust in Christ alone for their salvation. He was dead, he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead. He appeared to many people. And then before he ascended into heaven, he gave this word, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. What authority did he have to do that? Jesus is God. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is a gospel that we need to keep in our minds. That is a gospel that we need to share, for the Lord is worthy. And his word is precious. That we are to joyfully follow and live to please the author of our salvation. So as we look at our text this morning in Matthew 5, 33 through 37, I'm going to divide our time into two headings. Heading one, Christians are to be truthful. Christians are to be truthful. And heading two, Christians are to be children of integrity. Christians are to be children of integrity. Look at Matthew 5, 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old. I never get tired of hearing these words because we hear so much. Like at this time, they were hearing so much about so many different things, just like us in our age. Again, we have heard, and Jesus says, I want you to flush what you heard. I want you to listen to what I am saying. Again, you've heard the say of those old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no, and anything more than this comes from evil. So you shall not swear falsely, you shall not make false vows, do not take an oath at all. See, context is crazy important here. Many were abusing oaths, making false vows, and swearing falsely. You know, an oath is meant to bring forth truth. It's a solemn promise, but instead it was bringing forth deceit and corruption. As God's children, we are not to do this. You know, Jesus had gathered his disciples and he's teaching them what to do, how to live, how they are to please him. In Exodus 20, verse 7, we find, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Leviticus 19, verse 12, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. Numbers 30, verse 2, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Deuteronomy 23, 21, but if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what is passed from your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. You know, what we say we are going to do, we should do as Christians. Not because it's about us, we should do it because we belong to Christ. 
We are not to use the Lord's name in vain and bring shame upon the Lord. We are not to swear falsely that God's children are to be men and women of their word. We are to be truthful. So we need to be wise with the words that come from our mouth, thinking before we speak and keeping our promises. What comes from our lips is to be fulfilled, for we are to be truthful. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That we will stand before the Lord and we will give account for every careless word. Letter of James comes to mind. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So we're to be slow to speak and be truthful, not wicked with our words. And you best be assured that when you and I are saying something and it's not true, when we are saying something, we have no intent to fulfill it, you, you need to put that away because it is filthiness and rampant wickedness before the Lord. James 3, 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So Christians are to be praying for wisdom. They are to be slow to speak and to submit themselves to God's word as law, asking him to please, Lord, tame my tongue, for only he can do it. William Henderson explains, what we have here in Matthew 5 is the condemnation of the flippant, profane, uncalled for, and often hypocritical oath used in order to make an impression or to spice daily conversation. Now, I already know what you're thinking. When this is an election year, we see this all the time. It's not just an election year. We do this when we were boasting in and of ourselves. We do this when we want others to think highly of us than we should have others thinking of us. When Jesus spoke, he spoke the truth. He didn't speak with flippancy. He didn't speak to make himself look good. Profanity and error did not spring forth from his heart and roll off his lips. He was about the Father's will all the time, even to his death. That the Son of Man was concerned about the fear of the Lord and not the praise of men. That Christ came to save His people from their sins and this required perfection. Not one sin, not even one careless word. Like church family, we are called to live holy lives and holy lives include our words. We are to speak the truth. We are to be known as people who are reliable people who are trustworthy, not just here as we gather, there when we go. We are called to image Christ, 
Temper Longman III said, Jesus insists that whatever a man swears by is related to God in some way, and thereby every oath is implicitly in God's name. Heaven, earth, Jerusalem, even the hairs on the head are all under God's sway and ownership. Holy lives include truthful words, for all of our words are happening before the Lord. Some of you today's text and said we must not take oaths at all, not even in the courts. They take the words of Christ literal. However, when one looks closer at God's word holistically, I believe that is an absolutely wrong conclusion. The scriptures are not silent about taking oaths. Deuteronomy 10 verse 20. You shall fear Yahweh your God, you shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. Jeremiah 12, and it shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be built up in the midst of my people. But if any nation will not listen, then I will utterly pluck it up and destroy it, declares Yahweh. Acts chapter 2. For you not abandon my soul to Hades or let the Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness of your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David. He both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, for he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. And he had not abandoned my soul to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. In 2 Corinthians 1, But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrain from coming again to Corinth. Paul's words in, to the church in Philippi, Philippians 1, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. When he is making the statement, For God is my witness, he is declaring an oath. In Romans 1, 9 and 10, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son. Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 5, For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext of greed. God is witness. Hebrews 6, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise of His unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath. And Jesus even testified under oath. In Matthew chapter 26, it says, Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so. God's children, Christians, are to be truth tellers. R.C. Sproul said, Jesus is addressing a narrow and misleading legalism that requires a specific oath to make spoken promises binding, implying that trustworthiness is in speaking is optional when unaccompanied by a solemn oath. Therefore, oath or no oath, God's children are to be people of the truth. We're to be people of the truth at all times. When we fail to see Christ, when we fail to think upon what Christ has said, when we fail to know and remind ourselves of who God is, His character, when we, when we fail to remember our calling to be holy as the Lord is holy, we will begin to accept what Christ forbids. 
that we need the truth, we need to be in the truth, and we are to be tellers of the truth. The words of Jesus stress the importance of truthfulness in our lives as Christians. Therefore, there is never a time in which it is acceptable to not be truthful. So in your life, do you have areas in which you have justified dishonesty? That's something that you have to answer. Are there areas in your life in which you need to be truthful before others and before the Lord who sees and knows all things? You may think that you're crafty and you can hide these things. I assure you, the Lord sees it all. Are you a truth teller? Christians are to be truthful. Heading two, Christians are to be children of integrity. Christians are to be children of integrity. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head. You cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. I keep going back to James over and over and over again, basically because I've been studying it for Wednesday nights, but James is a constant reminder. is like, how do you know what you're going to do? You should be saying, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. In other words, when it comes to oaths and being men and women of the truth, you need to be very detailed and very honest about what you can do and what you cannot do. Christians are to be children of integrity. The quality of being honest, of having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. And all this is based upon the character of God. I'm not talking about integrity for the purpose of salvation. You're not saved because of your integrity. You're saved because of the grace of God. Integrity can also be defined as honesty, sincerity, singleness of purpose, purity of heart, which Jesus already addressed in Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Children who claim to be Christians are to be truthful, and they are to be men and women of integrity. When we say that we are Christian, we're saying that we belong to Christ. When we say we belong to Christ, we are saying that we represent Christ in this life. We are to live to His glory. Our chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. If we're not people of integrity, there is no glorifying God and enjoying Him. We're to be people of integrity. Matthew 5, verse 37 Let what you say be simply yes or no, and anything more than this comes from evil. Literally, the reading is, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Oath or no oath, as God's children, our yes is to be yes, and our no is to be no. In modern day language, by John Stott, Christians say what they mean and mean what they say. The pure in heart are to speak pure words. Proverbs 10, 19. I had this verse memorized when I was a high school student, mainly because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And so our Sunday school teacher got tired of interrupting everybody. And so 
He made us all memorize Proverbs 10, verse 19, and every time we said something that was not beneficial for others to hear, we had to stop wherever we were and do push-ups. And so over a period of time, our Sunday school teacher had to keep adding on rules to this because while the pastor was preaching in the service, students were stopping and doing 10 push-ups. And so, but this is something that I have loved When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. A.M. Hunter said, Oh, surprise, because men are so often liars. Christian, there is never a conversation, there is never a location, there is never a situation in which God is not present and God does not see. Therefore, what we say should be truthful because God is among us. We're to be men and women of the truth. There's never a time in which our goal should be to dishonor the Lord. At all times, we are to be pure in heart, men and women of integrity. James 5, verse 12, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. You see, the Lord calls our words to be truthful at all times, because at all times we are called to image Christ. William Barclay, he hits a nail on the head. He says, we will regard all promises as sacred if we remember that all promises are made in the presence of God. So that means as a father, promises I make to my children. As a husband, the promises I make to a wife. As a Christian, promises I make to Christians or non-Christians. As a pastor, a promise that I make to the flock. Holiness is our calling, and what is acceptable in holiness is absolute truthfulness. Anything less than total truth is evil and comes from the father of lies. Thomas Boston declared, whether we consider him as our creator to whom we owe all reverence or as a savior who has been our helper and offers us again the fortified life and salvation, it is horrible to hear men profaning the name of that God who made them, gave them a tongue, gave them life, profaning that name by which they must be saved or else perish. If the Lord's church, those purchased by the blood of Christ, his children, those who claim to be his followers, are not known for telling the truth, being men and women of integrity, what assurance do the scriptures provide that they are actually the church? That God's children were made to image him. And by the way, the answer is the scriptures don't provide assurance of your salvation. If we are not following Christ and obeying Christ, what assurance do you have? God's children are the light of the world. God's children will image him. God's children are to be truthful and live a life of integrity. That we do not fall into the lie that some things are not at all that important. Our character, how we live, what we say is always important. When we are alone, when we are with others, those things are important. Our thoughts 
Our thought life is important. Our attitude, our actions, our words, that is all important. We cannot escape from the presence of the Lord just because other people don't see it. We cannot escape from the presence of the Lord just because we are thinking it. How sad it would be to leave here and to not take a moment and examine our own life. Am I truthful with my spouse? Am I truthful with my family? Am I truthful with my friends? Am I a promise keeper? And this is what really makes you stop and think. You're called to keep your promise even when others do not. I didn't ask, well, I'm going to keep my promise if they keep your promise. A marriage doesn't work like that. You're called to glorify the Lord. That's how that works. Like, are you keeping your promise? Is my yes, yes, and my no, no? Do I justify small, little, white lies? Do I use words of exaggeration to make much of myself? Do I profane the Lord by putting down others made in His image so I feel better? Am I striving to make myself look good with words instead of being content with being a child of God and faithfully serving Him? You know, one of the things I've seen over and over again is in many examples, we can do this outside of these walls. What's difficult is many of us struggle with coming in here and thinking that we have to prove to other people that we deserve to teach or preach or do these different things. And so we paint ourselves in a better picture than we should. Am I striving to make myself look good? Or is this all about the Lord? When God's word says very clear in Matthew 5, verse 37, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Let what you say simply be yes or no. And anything more than this comes from from evil. We hear all the time from the things of this world. We need to stop and listen to the words, but I say to you, for these words we are to feast on with all of God's word so that we will live lives that are transformed, not conformed to the things of this world, but transformed by the renewal of our mind so that you and I, as children of the king, would faithfully serve our king in this foreign land in which we live. Today is another day in which we get to walk that road as pilgrims looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is one more day in which we get to faithfully serve God living in this foreign land because let us not forget where we are marching. We are marching home. The farther that you march home, the harder and harder it gets. And the more you experience in this life, we need to remain fixed on what Christ has said so that we will please him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy word. I thank you that you have given us what we are to live on, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that has come from your mouth, that you have by your spirit and your divine will preserved for us the holy scriptures so that we would know you, 
that we can come before you each and every day and we have that great privilege of reading your word, abiding in your word, staying in your word, memorizing your word, meditating upon your word. Help us as your children to not just stop there, but to respond by living truthful and lives of integrity for your name and for your glory. And what a great promise in which we have that, Lord, we know we have failed this last week to do that, but there is forgiveness found in Christ. Lord, that you tell us that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What a marvelous, wonderful Savior that we have in Jesus. Father, help us. Lord, we need your help. We can't do it by ourselves. By your power, Lord, by your spirit, help us, Lord, to please you more with the life that we live, to be men and women of the truth, Lord, even if we mess up. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for all that he has done and is doing and will do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.